Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello again, and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. Uberlube is sponsoring us today. It's a vegan-friendly, cruelty-free personal lubricant, silicone-based, no glycerin, no parabens, really important, no scents, no flavors, and it's the next best thing to your skin, uberlube.com, U-B-E-R-lube.com. Adam, what are we doing today? It's mailbag day, Lori. Yay, I love mailbag days. Mailbag days are so fun. We love hearing from you. Um, so many ways to get in contact with us, Instagram, Facebook, email. Send us your questions. We love getting them from you. And we, we have a phone number. I mean, we would love to have you on air. Yeah. Send us, if, you will, if you're willing to do that, send us that information. We'd love to get a time to get you on. We have a couple really interesting ones today, Lori. So the first one is from Christine, who says, I'm struggling with desire and feel like my libido has been low for a while. My boyfriend is suggesting using marijuana to increase that, but I'm really hesitant. What are your thoughts about the use of uh, marijuana to increase desire and libido? What do you, what do you think about pot and <laughs> sex, Lori? <laughs> well, obviously it's now legal in several states, right? Right. And so I think that, I mean, the truth is it is an aphrodisiac. I mean, mm-hmm. people who use it more often than not do feel some sense of increased desire They feel horny. I mean, I think the truth is, just in terms of a a compound, is that it can really help with that. Yeah. I mean, I I think that some of the issues are, you know, people worry about all kinds of problems with marijuana. There's a lot of uh, political issues with that. But in terms of pure use for sex, I think it probably will increase her desire, uh, loosen her inhibitions, and potentially make her enjoy it more. I have talked to a number of patients who have tried this, and they've had better orgasms, they report. One woman who has low libido for a long period of time tried it, I think, in a Rice crispy Square. Nice. And, you know, had the best sex night of her life. You know, sex like three times that night and was wild and waking her husband up and was uninhibited and kind of decided that I think she was not in the right state, but she thought, you know, every once in a while I'm going to cross state lines. We're going to go to a hotel and use that. And, you know, I can see that for a honeymoon sort of effect, 
um, that was a really positive thing for her to to also see herself in that let loose state. Yeah, I think was, was positive. Yeah, I think there is a to me it's a similar. We j- just did recently did one on alcohol and sex as well. It seems like it would be it would fall similar into that into the pros and cons that there's going to be some pros. Um, sure. There's also going to be some cons to it that you'd have to be aware of um, and be okay and be okay with those. Right, because it could like cons. make you want to eat the whole pan of rice krispies, <laughs> right? right? right. Gives right. you the munchies. I mean, and there's, I mean, there yeah. are problems with it, low motivation, and the data is not completely complete in what it does to us. But I mean, as an occasional thing in this, this yeah. woman, I think she's in Denver, right? So yeah. it is legal there. And I think she should, if she can feel comfortable with it and feel safe with it, mm. that might be an adequate uh, solution. I also think, you know, for my breast cancer patients. Breast cancer is a wicked disease, and uh, many of them have been prescribed marijuana for pain relief with the treatments and things. But I've also talked to breast cancer uh, survivors who use it to create desire. And the cool thing about it in some of them is it reduces pain. So, you know, they're having trouble with lubrication and somehow or another the pot kind of overrides that. And uh, there's no date on this. This is not a study. This is just maybe anecdotal. But I have had patients use it and have real success when whatever problem, you know, with chemotherapy and things that they, you know, they just feel no desire and they are having sexual pain problems. Yeah. So it's it's another thing to yeah. think about. Yeah. And for Christine here, I do think the one of the things that I just be cautious about is that she doesn't feel pressured to use it right. or to do We're something not saying, that she's not. Yeah, if um, she feels that she's not cool with, and that it doesn't. Again, to me, that it doesn't become something that you're doing every single time to increase desire. Mm-hmm. Right, that it's not something you're becoming dependent on as a prerequisite to sex. Yeah, as like a, a honeymoon experience. You know, I think sometimes, especially this is a young woman, so. Probably hormonally, she's replete. That means she's full of hormones still. Um, so there's something else going on, probably more about inhibition than actually, you know, a low hormone problem or something that would be causing low desire. So I think his suggestion sounds like he's he's hoping that once she gets over her inhibitions, you know, sex will be easier, more free flowing. Mm. Okay, good our luck, next, you guys. Yeah, our next one comes from James. James writes, "I love sexting with my wife." Uh, but she shows little interest. We have talked about it, and I have communicated to her that I love receiving messages and pictures of an adult nature, preferably her in the picture. Um, At best, she will send something maybe a few times a year, and 99% of the time it's after I have sent her something. I do send her romantic and intimate messages. I leave notes in her coffee cup, in her car, in her work bag, give her two-hour massages without being asked. She never has to ask me to be romantic as I know she desires it and love being surprised. Why won't she reciprocate with what I desire and need? This is one we hear a lot, Lori, uh, or something yeah. very similar yeah. to that. And it's um, it's a cycle that a lot of couples fall into. Yeah, I, this is actually a dynamic. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about the pursuer distance or dynamic. And this guy is a classic sexual pursuer. I mean, I classic pursuers describe themselves as very giving and their motive is truly to give and to get sexual and yeah. there's nothing uh, wrong with being a sexual the, pursuer right no there isn't but i can tell because what she, his report is is that she's backing up hmm. that she's she doesn't withdrawing. come to, yeah she doesn't come toward him 
And I think one of the things that pursuers don't see about themselves is the pressure that they build. Mm. Oftentimes they omit in these kinds of reports and then their partner is there to tell me in the room, uh, yeah, but, you know, they're angry, they're pouting, they're uh, they're complaining, they're criticizing me for not doing enough. I never feel like I'm enough. There is another side to this cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really want us to bear that in mind um, when we think about how do we get our partner to respond you know, if you are a sexual pursuer and, you know, you're, you're doing this thing, are there other reasons that she may not be responding? I mean, first of all, I'd love to know what she says. I think there's a couple things. Like when we talk about the sexual pursuer and withdrawal cycle, somebody in that cycle has to begin to do something different, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like dancing with your partner and you have, y'all have started to do just the same dance over and over and over again. At some point, somebody has to do something different, mm-hmm. right? And so... For him as the sexual pursuer, right, he has to look at ways that he is building that pressure and start to back off from that, right? Yeah, and He's pursuers a- often say, yeah, well, I'll just do nothing then. Oh, yeah. You know, they they <laughs> kind of withdraw completely, and then they just become the withdrawer, and, and that's not it. Yeah, that's not it at all. That's, I, we're not I, saying stop pursuing, right? We're not saying stop being sexual. We're not saying all. stop being sexual. Pursuit sounds positive, but it's the pressure-building pursuit that we're saying stop doing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, I would I would ask him to ask her, what do you feel about all these attempts that I make yeah. to get us going sexually? And, and what do you think about sexting? And he – because he's making an assumption that he knows what she likes sexually, right? right. It's in there. I know she likes being surprised. I know she likes being – pursued and desired. You don't. You right. have to make the assumption that either, even if you did at one point, that it's the possibility that it's changed. Uh, and maybe he's giving her the note in the coffee cup, the sext, you know, and the massage and, you know, the other note in her purse or something all on the same day. And she's like, all right, already, all right. I'm <laughs> going into the big meeting. You forgot about the big meeting. You know, I can't yeah. think about this today. Or he said that he gets her two hour massages without being asked. On one level, that's really nice. On another asleep. level, that's you're, <laughs> you've just trapped her for two. You've just trapped her for two hours, right? And without, if you haven't confirmed that this is something that she wants, and she obviously needs to speak up and say, if she doesn't want these things, it'd be helpful if she spoke up and said, "I don't want this. You need to do something different." You know, distancers, but, though, are poor at representing themselves. They they often they're not critical. You know, they don't want to say to their partner something that will create a fight. Mm-hmm. And so they, they take things. They do often see the positive intent, but they often feel so pressured. So I, I think a frank discussion without an edge in his voice, which yeah. means asking her, hey, you know, sexting is really important to me. What do you think of it? I, he, I really want to know. And get your heart open he to has, hear. Yeah, he has to be really conscious of his nonverbals yeah. that he's sending, of tone, of – um, facial expressions of even how he's standing, how he's sitting um, when they're discussing these things because that, that can create a feeling of that she's disappointing him or that she's not enough as we talked about before. And his reactivity, right? Oh, I mean yeah. because he may always at the end of these conversations previously been disappointed so she doesn't want to tell him the truth. Yeah, he has to accept the rejection um, really well yeah, right, and, and take it. I, you know, I think that I don't know how old this couple is. You know, it really depends. I mean, she if she's young, maybe that's part of the culture. If she's older, mm-hmm. she may be like, uh, I am never going to picture, you know, take a picture of my boob and send it to you. That's just not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yep. and, and she may just feel like, uh, no, that's not who I am. I don't want to do that. Um, I don't want it, you know, in some sort of form that, you know, I, I would feel vulnerable about, right? Right. I mean, so. Yeah, so 
break that cycle, James. If that's if that's what you find yourself caught up in, our recommendation is to break that cycle. Have a frank talk. Have a frank talk. Still be curious, right? Be open to that she may want things that are not happening or that you don't know as much and give that a try. Let us hear how it goes. Yeah. All right. We're going to be back after the break with more mailbag questions. Thank you so much to all our Patreon supporters. Right? Yeah. Patreon is a platform where you can directly support things that you love. We really want to expand the resources that we can be able to provide right. to you as our listeners. If you know our work touches you and our work helps you, we would be so grateful for your support. Just go to our website, foreplayrst.com, and there you can find a way to support us, and you can see our episodes and our blogs. And thank you so much, guys. Speaking with certified sex therapist Lori Watson from Awakening Center for Couples and Intimacy. Lori, what is an intensive? So an intensive is 12 to 14 hours of therapy all in one weekend. And it's a way to really make fast progress compared to weekly therapy. I mean, there's just so much more you can get done when you have a chunk of time. Overcome the challenges in your relationship and your sex life. Learn more about intensives and Awakening Center's other services at awakenloveandsex.com. At Matthews Counseling, we believe it is our job to come alongside you in whatever difficult challenges of life you are in and help you rediscover hope and to find the strength that you have to face those challenges. We strive to create a safe and comfortable place for you to explore who you want to be and identify the obstacles standing in your way. Oftentimes, the first step toward finding help is the hardest, but it can also be the bravest. Give us a call at 919-587-8018. Find us online at matthewscounseling.com. We look forward to working with you. Thanks to our sponsors, Uberloop today. You know, I see this a lot in my practice. And don't let personal dryness stop you and your partner from having fun together. I mean, basically, I think lubrication is important for many, if not most, encounters. And Uberlube is hyperallergenic with a small amount of vitamin C, which makes your skin silky and soft. Yeah, it's long-lasting, amazingly soft, and really more than just a personal lubricant. It's perfect for cyclists, runners, or any sports enthusiasts where chafing is involved. Right, and it doesn't get gummy. It's incredible. Anything that's multi-use, I'm all for it. If you want to follow us on Instagram, uh, you'll be entered to win a free Uberlube giveaway. Find us at foreplay underscore radio sex therapy. And we are back with more mailbag questions. Lori, our next question comes from Trina. And she says, me and my husband have been married for 17 years and now we are in separate rooms. There is no sex, no nothing. And I've been complaining mm-hmm. to him about how I'm um, happy. I'm sad. I don't know what to do. I've been really upset. He complains that he doesn't feel well. He has high blood pressure. I feel like we're growing apart. What can I do to make things better? Essentially, it sounds like they're in separate bedrooms for the husband's medical issues and it's impacting their sex life. So what right. would we say to, to Trina and her husband? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm going to make some assumptions, right? He's got high blood pressure. They're in separate bedrooms. That may mean that he's snoring. Mm. Uh, so that could mean belly weight. You know, y'all check out the low-carb stuff to, you know, improve your diet. But I think that this is a problem that is not necessarily about desire. Frequently mm-hmm. I hear this, and men actually still feel desire for their wives, but they are worried about their performance. High blood pressure meds often create ED. Mm. You know, it's a hydraulic issue, right? You know, blood pressure is necessary everywhere, especially in the penis 
to pump it up. And when you've got, you know, something that's making it lower, mm-hmm. uh, you can't get as good of an erection. So, I mean, oftentimes, even with being overweight and even with uh, having high blood pressure, the doctors will still prescribe Viagra or a lookalike to help you in a, in a momentary need uh, mm-hmm. for good blood pressure and help you with erections. So that may yeah. be one thing. And I think men are loath to talk about it with their physicians. Maybe she could go with him to the doctor and say, hey, you know, this is really impacting us. Mm-hmm. And maybe she could begin to wonder, I think, okay, maybe it's not about me. Maybe he still desires me. But men are so wrapped up in their performance anxiety, especially at this age and stage. Yeah, and he, he may just not be talking about it with her, right? He, he may know that it's happening and not even want to engage in anything sexual because of that. So yeah. broaching that carefully um, and sensitively could could be something that they could start to explore. I, I mean, and she's right to be frustrated and she's mm-hmm. right to press the point. But she sounds like she's coming at it from a sexual preserve vantage point as well. She's starting to complain. And most of the time men hear that is, I'm not performing well enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not getting good enough erections. I'm yep. not pleasing her sexually. When really what she's saying is, I want to still be sexual. Right. You know, and it doesn't matter necessarily that if you don't have an erection, you know, maybe we can do other things. I can still have an orgasm. Maybe you can still have an orgasm. And men can still have orgasms without erections. It's yeah. a separate function. Uh, I would also say that there's the possibility that this separate bedroom issue is also uh, manifesting itself in other areas of their life, right? Oh, yeah. Right. As couples, we tend to fall into specific patterns. And um, when there's separation in one area, is there separation in other areas as well, mm-hmm. right? So maybe they've also stopped doing things together or they're doing things independently of each other, activities independently of each other. Um, yeah, you know, they're, maybe, they're missing that cuddling in bed. Yeah. You know, they're missing those moments uh, that might have been spontaneous. Yeah. You yeah. know, to, to actually start sex. Yeah, and my, my grandparents actually fell into this pattern a, a lot. I saw this with them. They start. They were sleeping in, in separate bedrooms toward the end of their life for, for medical reasons as well. And grandma told you this, that like there was, they weren't, she no. wasn't having sex with grandpa? She did not <laughs> tell me this. Okay, uh, okay. But this was, the assumption was that I assumed that they were not doing this. Uh, maybe they were, but wanted, but the reflection where I was going with that until you put that gross <laughs> image of my grandparents having sex in my I'm head. Sorry, I'm That's sorry. That's okay. Um, was that they, they also had, their lives were very separate. As, their lives were a little yeah. bit separate as well. They were in, you know, their recliners and they had separate recliners in the living room. They ate separately from each other. There was mm-hmm. other areas where they were separate mm-hmm. in their lives as well. And so one possibility that I think uh, Trina can explore here is to begin to make sure that they're aligned in their lives outside of the bedroom as well. Yeah. And I mean, I think she's feeling separate, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this is part of her dismay about this whole thing. And I feel for you, I think, get medical help. Talk about it frankly. You know, ask him maybe, you know, are you feeling that it's about um, that you're not pleasing me because your erection is not strong? Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Because I'm feeling not pleased because you're not initiating sex with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that needs to be changed. Okay. What else have we got? All right. We have got a one from Howard as well where he says, how can I get my wife to stop belittling me? I'm looking for approval from others and want to break the cycle. That's all he's got. So we'll make some assumptions there. We'll try to make some good assumptions there as well about mm-hmm. their um, their relationship. So belittling, critical comments that he feels like are uh, directing against him. So he's not getting any verbal affirmation 
from her, which probably means he's also not getting any kind of physical affirmation from her as well, yeah. I, I would guess. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of two parts as well, right? One, he has a partner who mm-hmm. says things that are super critical. Mm-hmm. And two, that he is aware of this part of himself where he needs the approval of others. And mm-hmm. I mean, certainly, you know, if a partner says something that's really cruel, you, you need to stand up to that and not mm-hmm. accept that. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, so that's that's boundary making on on his part as well, right? Yeah, um, it's drawing some clear boundaries. I think though that he has to do that in a way that doesn't get defensive, right? This sounds to me a lot like Gottman's Four Horsemen um, type of deal, where if she's being contempt. critical and mm-hmm. or she's having contempt for him, that's coming out in that way. More than likely, what he does is he gets defensive, mm-hmm. right? Or he stonewalls her, um, mm-hmm. right? So defensiveness comes out where you're having to defend yourself say, against the criticism. Or saying I, that's I'm not that way because of this. I'm not. I don't do this. It's a. It he. There may be some areas of the relationship that he does need to take responsibility for. That he may have to take an honest look at himself and say, these are the areas that I need to take uh, responsibility for, while still saying I'm not okay with the way that you're telling me about these things. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay with the way that you're talking to me or insulting my character or insulting who I am. Yeah. Right. Um, but doing that without defensiveness. Is, is difficult at times because we have that em- emotional reaction. We get we can get flooded. We can get um, our heart rate can go up, and we feel like we have to fight back hard mm-hmm. against that criticism. Flight or, or fight. The, we right. want to we want to either withdraw or we want to attack back, and mm-hmm. neither of those are productive. But yeah. I think drawing our partner's attention to it is like you know, ouch. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a time in my life I had several friends who were who kept saying things to me that were hurtful, and I just committed to saying ouch. You know, when they would step on my toes, I'd just say, ouch, that hurt, you know. And mm-hmm. maybe they'd say, oh, I was just kidding. But it, it started to be – they started to be aware of the fact that they were hurting my feelings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wasn't defensive. I just wanted them to know, you know, that yeah. that's too much. And I think if a partner says something that is really belittling, I mean, they absolutely need to be stopped. And that includes name-calling, swearing, um, yeah. you know, anything that's over the line. That behavior should not be tolerated. I I agree with that, Lori. Absolutely. I think one of the things, and this you can hear this in the way that he asked this question, mm-hmm. is making the assumption that if I do these things, they're automatically going to stop. And I think like we cannot change our partner's reactions. Like we can't. He is not going to get her to do something different. All he can do is do what you said, which is continually draw that boundary and say, "This is not okay with me. Mm-hmm. Right? This is not. This is. I don't want to be talked to in this way. Um, this is hurtful." Right. And continues to draw those boundaries with his spouse, because if he I I think if he is doing it out of the motivation to get her to do something different, most of the time he's going to fail. Right. Because he because we when we try to make moves that makes our partner do something different or get them to move most of the time that that can really backfire in our faces as opposed to just drawing a clear boundary. Let's talk a minute about this. You know, I need people's approval. Hmm. So. This is a trap, right, for all of us. Uh, I was just listening to Tara Brock last night, who's this fabulous uh, speaker about mindfulness. And she was talking about how it's a real trap in our life if we need the approval of others because we are then dependent mm-hmm. on somebody else, you know, saying we're okay. We, we have to find an inner place that says, I'm doing the best job I can. I am okay. And this guy, I mean, it's a two-part thing, right? Yeah. He he desperately needs approval and he's married to somebody who's belittling. Yeah. Um, that's problematic. So he has to maybe, probably do his own therapy in terms of becoming stronger internally. 
Um, yeah. And this you know, and be loving to himself. Yeah, and it's such a catch twenty two. I think for people that are caught in situations like this, because they're not—he's not responsible for the belittling comments, right? Mm-hmm. He's not causing the belittling comments or the criticism. But the only thing that he can do is do what you're saying is is working on himself um, and finding the areas that he can get stronger and he can get better for himself. Mm-hmm. Although sometimes I think you know if a person is really obnoxious. And says something. I mean, their partner needs to say, you know what? I need a break from you this afternoon. I'm going to go off and do my own thing. That was over the line. That's too much. You need to apologize. You need to take that back. And we need to stop this. I'm not going to put up with it. I mean, they really have to be firm. Yeah, but that's that's self-work. A lot of people are – that's really difficult for a lot of people. Yeah, it may be difficult for him because it's like I I can't – I need her so much. You know, I need her to like me. I need her to – approve of me I, I, I you know it's just a sense of need I can't set a firm boundary yeah you know that's a toxic cycle well, so, okay. good, so good luck Howard drawing those boundaries hope that was helpful mailbag mailbag this uh, is it, it. I love it, it send us your stuff yeah info at foreplayrst.com let us know or find us on Instagram at foreplay underscore radio sex therapy and leave us a voicemail that we can use we would really appreciate that that would help us so thanks for listening this is foreplay radio sex therapy you can now call in your questions to the Foreplay Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-THE-NUMBER-4-PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. Hey, help us stay on top here at Foreplay. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.